are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. Hey everybody and welcome to the third episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy. Just a reminder, you can check out all our podcasts at the ESNY radio section of EliteSportsNY.com. And I know this is a New York Nick podcast, but Chip, me and you were just talking a little bit about the game. But the Celtics and the Cavaliers last night. Did you see that one coming? After Isaiah Thomas goes out with the injury, did you think the Celtics were going to be able to win a game in this series? I thought it was absolutely over after game two. Uh, But the Celtics, I got to give them so much credit. You know, uh, the way uh, they shot the ball last night, especially from three-point, that fourth quarter – they had last night. How many threes did they make in the fourth? They made a whole uh, lot. They, they just started making bucket. threes out of nowhere. I mean, the shots they could not hit yeah. early on. They just started going down. I mean, I was completely shocked. I thought, okay, here's another game. They're up by 20 at one point. I'm thinking, here we go again. Just another boring playoff game. Let's just skip to the finals already. And the Celtics took it to them. I was blown away with their effort now don't get me wrong I, I think you would agree with me chip i don't think they have any chance of winning this yeah. series it was just one of those games that caught the cavaliers oh, no. off guard but what do you think of lebron Marcus james Smart i mean is not gonna make seven threes again that's yeah, not oh, gonna happen no. i mean he was he was not phenomenal last night i mean that, that was a great effort yeah. by him uh you know avery bradley as well but but chip LeBron James had 11 points last night. I mean, I, I heard something now that when he scores 15 points or less in a playoff game, they're 1-9. So now they're 1-10 with, yeah, with that. I mean, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. We see Kevin Love just not missing early on. Kyrie was hot early on. And then everybody kind of cooled off. And I think it was just too late for LeBron to get into a rhythm. It was like early on in the game, it was like, I don't got to do anything. I'm just going to sit back, chill. And then when they needed him, he wasn't able to put on that switch. It was a little unlike LeBron James last night. Definitely was a little disappointing in him. Uh, and hey, they won a game. I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think they're going to win the, the series, but we, we saw a competitive game in a conference finals, Chip. How about that? Because the Western Conference isn't good. Yeah. Eastern Conference has been well, good. The Western Conference Finals is done. Oh yeah, that's over. That's that's going to end tonight. And I, I know again, this is a New York Nick podcast, but you know, I just want to take a few seconds to recap what's going on in the playoffs and just to give another update. We talked about last week on the show that we were going to find a Phil Jackson supporter to bring on the show. And we found somebody. They're not going to be on the show today. This is just a little preview for a future episode. But we will have a Phil Jackson supporter on the show to try to make the case that Phil Jackson can uh, save the Knicks. So we'll get that. And probably by next week, we're looking to bring him on to the show. But we've got quite a bit to talk about. They do exist. They do exist, yeah. I, and there was actually some more than I thought, but there was one that was willing to come on, so I can't wait for that and sit back and hear what he has to say, and we got plenty to talk about today. Obviously, as we mentioned last week, the, the draft lottery 
happen. And I, I mean, I know they had a 57% chance of getting the seventh pick and they fell to the eighth pick. Chip, I'm just, what was your reaction when you saw the Knicks get the eighth pick? Well, I wasn't surprised that they fell back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of Knicks luck. Yep. Of course. we. I think we discussed it last week. We both, neither one of us expected them to move up. That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised, you know. But big picture, difference between seventh and eighth pick. I, I don't know if we're going to miss out on the guy that – it's not like Minnesota's taking a point guard. So they just took a point guard. So big picture, I don't think seventh or eighth pick is a huge deal. If Phil Jackson intends to take a point guard, which I think he does. So, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. I had that wishful thinking. I even shared that stat last week that it's happened four times that the team that's projected to get the seventh pick ended up with the number one pick. So that, that, that Oh, that's right. You did say that. That yeah. little sliver of hope was there, Chip. And <laughs> what else was new? That was crushed. And now the New York Knicks are picking eighth. And it's at least good to know exactly where we're picking. And we know what players are realistically going to be there with the eighth pick. Mm -hmm. And it's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Chip, with that eighth pick, who do you think would be the best fit for the New York Knicks? Well, in terms of point guards, which is what everyone's talking about, the two guys that are most likely to be there are Dennis Smith Jr. Mm -hmm. from NC State, who is – that's the guy that Draft Express has us taking – in their mock draft, and ESPN's Chad Ford also has us taking Dennis Smith. And then there's the international prospect, the French point guard, who Knicks fans are all falling in love with, Frank Nielakina. So if you want a point guard, those are the guys who are most likely to be available. Uh, all the other top ones are going to be off the board. So Chip, which one I really would you like... Take? I would take uh, Frank Nielakina. I'm not a big Dennis Smith fan. I don't like the fact that Dennis Smith's biggest weakness seems to be his defense. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks were already a horrible defensive team last year. So if it's between Frank and Dennis Smith Jr., I would take Frank. But and, and, I would take – yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to try to I said the, the, the case for Dennis Smith Jr. is y- you're going to get – a great production with him scoring the ball, uh, 18 points yeah. a game. And he's also going to be able to create for others, which I also really love that. That's what I really love about him at the eighth pick is that he mm-hmm. is a guy that just averaged six assists a game at the college level. And for the Knicks, I, I, I hear what you're saying totally about the defense because we are filled with a team that has no defensive-minded players, and we really do got to start finding guys that are going to be willing to play defense. Otherwise, it's just going to be a layup line over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter how many points the Knicks can score. They're still going to lose because they can't play defense. But I really like that he's able to create shots for others, and I think somebody like that could be great for Przingis. Uh, to make it easier for him to score the basketball. Uh, that That's one aspect that I absolutely like about Dennis Smith Jr. I'll admit, 
the the French kid, I don't know much about. I haven't seen a lot about. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I'll be honest. I'm kind of like the uh, Stugatz of Scott, uh, of elite oh, sports yeah. <laughs> because I will pronounce names wrong. I'm just going to omit that. No shame in my game. I will butcher people's names. So, so Chip, you're going to have to help me out. Frank, I've heard it pronounced multiple different – I'm pretty sure it's Frank Nilakina. Nilakina. I've heard Frank Nilakina. I've heard Frank Nilakina. I heard Fran Fraschilla during the NBA draft combine say Frank Nilakina, and he would know. So – well, Chip, but here's I've where I'm at. pronounced multiple different ways. Since I'm a butcher I, of names, I'm labeling him as yeah. the French kid. You guys will all know who I'm talking yeah. about. And if you want to just yeah. knock me and make fun of me, go right ahead. Because I cannot pronounce European people's names at all. Can't do it. He's the French kid. It took me two weeks to figure out how to pronounce Przingis' name right. And that's not even that hard of a name. Um, so, with those two players... Would you look past Dennis Smith, even with what I just said, with him being able to create for others? And do you agree that he could make it easier for Christoph Porzingis to score the basketball? I do think he can make it easier for KP, but I also think that Frank can make it easier for KP. I think that uh, Frank is a pass-first player, whereas Dennis Smith is a uh, score-first player. You know, I... Like you said, I've seen a lot more of Dennis Smith mm-hmm. than I have of Frank. The Most of what we've seen of Frank is on, well, not most, all of what we've seen of Frank is YouTube videos and stuff that I've watched off Draft Express. But his, his passing is one of his best things. Like Dennis Smith, he's young, he makes turnovers. But I don't think there's any... Uh, downgrade from Dennis Smith in terms of uh, playmaking ability, in terms of creating for others to uh, Frank. It might even be an upgrade, in my opinion. The The issue is, like you said, he's never going to be the scorer mm-hmm. that Dennis Smith is. He's never going to be able to do that. But if you want a scorer like Dennis Smith, I, I don't know if the does the triangle offense need that, Matt? I mean, come on, that's the most important thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, I can see it, but I, I'm looking right now at the French kid's stats. He, he didn't play yeah. big minutes. Played about 18 minutes a game. Only had the five points. And I'm trying to get his assist numbers right now. But, you know, that to me... He only averaged 1.4 assists. And I know you can't go based off of what you see here, like, you know, his stats. Uh, I I know that kind of necessarily doesn't mean anything. He's a young kid. He's still growing. But I'm looking at the factor of NBA ready. And to me, I think he is going to be somebody that would be a a bit of a a project. I don't know if he could come – over to the professional level here in the United States and and be able to have an impact right away. So my question is, which one of those two do you think is more NBA ready? I I think it's Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, Smith. Smith for sure. Smith. And and, and we know that Phil Jackson absolutely loves 
European players. He's already has mm-hmm. a few on his roster right now. Um, you know, the last one he took, Perzingis, that didn't work out bad for him. And even yeah. Willie Hearn Gomez hasn't worked out too bad. So I am not by any means saying I don't know if I can trust European players because the Knicks have quite a few that have been productive. But I think if we just talk about it, about the NBA ready right now, I, I don't think the Knicks are in position, unless if they're able to sign a, a point guard that can kind of take over for a few years before that French kid is ready. I I don't I, I don't know. Like I think the only point guard that we possibly could get back is like Derrick Rose. But if we are looking for a young point guard to kind of start now and mold them into this triangle offense and, and all that good stuff, I'm taking Dennis uh, Smith Jr. That would be my pick. That's me personally. And I don't know. I don't know if that makes me, you know, that's that's probably why I'm not a general manager. I've also made terrible decisions in my mind before saying the Knicks should have did this. <laughs> and then they don't do that, and thank God, goodness they didn't do that um, because it just proved I don't really know what exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to these young, talented players. Because um, I'll admit, Chip, that that's not really my strong suit uh, of basketball, of studying the film of these young prospects. Um, you know, I know there's plenty of other guys that really just sit there and just study. And, and that's one thing, Chip, me and you are looking to do is find – some of those guys that come on the show and, and kind of educate us even yeah. a little bit more about these young players. Um, but you're saying the French kid is who you would take with the eighth pick. I would take him because I think he'd be a better fit with uh, this team. Look, I'd take him because for French Rochelle said he, uh, he's a good fit in the triangle offense, which is Freddie Fischel has said, um, uh, while he doesn't like the triangle offense, he thinks Frank would be a good fit in it. So Frank is a good fit on this team just for the wrong reasons, because we run an outdated offense. So if we're going to run the triangle offense all season, I think that Frank would be a good fit in it. And that's pretty much that. I mean, you look at, the the uh, point guards that Phil Jackson has had, he, does he really need an explosive no. uh, point guard creator type? And that's it that's a, that's like a good point. Has, that's a good yeah. point. You know, historically in his his systems, the point guard wasn't an overwhelming scorer. I mean, the guys that are able to shoot the basketball, um, you know, but you know, guys like Derek Fisher with the Lakers. And um, you know, they're not necessarily the main scoring option. So that, that's a good point. You don't necessarily need the production from the point guards in that kind of offense. It's just It just makes me question, though, because now today's game, the point guard does everything. They're scoring. They're not no longer just those guys that create for others. They, they're scoring themselves now. So it still makes me even yeah, question the whole true. triangle aspect in general, because the game has just evolved, and it, it's it's something else I'm seeing right here, though, Chip. Uh, some reports saying the New York Knicks are looking to trade for another first-round pick. How likely do you think that will happen? 
Uh, I didn't see that one yet. Uh, well, I don't, I'm not sure what they'd have to give up for that, if they'd have to give up a player. But I don't know if that's likely, because I think they'd have to give up a future first. And I don't know if you want to compromise your future for, unless they have, unless it's like a, a lottery pick, but I don't know what team in the lottery is going to want to give up a selection Unless it's like maybe Miami would be willing to give up their pick. Pat Riley always seems to be willing to give up picks. Or like who has a low, like I think Portland, yeah, Portland has the 15th pick. Mm-hmm. You know you know who we might trade with? Chicago. You always trade with Chicago. Chicago has the 16th pick. Maybe they'd be willing to trade with them. And that's, I don't know, maybe he'd make a trade like that. And yeah. this report that I'm seeing is from uh, NewJersey.com. And they're claiming that the Knicks are trying to look for an extra first-round pick. There's no secret now that Phil Jackson has expressed his interest in this draft and has been trying to get uh, another draft pick, even way back in February with the Ricky Rubio trade rumors. Uh, A lot of people talked about how that deal didn't come through because Phil Jackson was stern on, on getting another pick for this year's draft. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think for the Knicks, I don't know who they're going to give up. I, that's the problem with them. They don't really have anybody on their roster to that gives any trade value, so they would have to trade other picks. So I don't know how likely that will be. It doesn't look like that will be the case. Maybe they can work out a deal. There's nothing wrong looking at it at least. Um, but I think that's going to wrap up our first segment, and when we come back, we are going to be discussing something that was seen. If you're a fan of the Facebook pages, New York Facebook pages, this is a an image that we'll describe that's been going around, uh, going around and having some fans uh, sharing their opinions on it. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Hello, everybody. Mac is still the co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well, at Elite Sports NY, and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Now we kind of previewed about where we're going with it in the next segment of the show, and, and this is a, an image now that, that's been posted and shared in several um, Nick social media pages, either on Facebook, I've seen it on Twitter, I've seen it on Instagram, and the picture has, it's broken up into four sections, and it says, who should take most of the blame? And in the top photo, it's ownership with James Dolan, the front office would be the next picture with Phil Jackson and Steve Mills, coaching, and Hornacek, and Rambis, and the players, Kamel Anthony, and we will have this picture up on our new Twitter page that that's not up right now but it's going to be up as soon as we're done with this podcast um, our Twitter page at the Nick State of Mind podcast so you can actually see what I'm talking about if you haven't seen it to talk about the pinpoint exactly who should get the blame so so Chip starting with you what part of the Knicks organization do you put most of the blame on where do you think it starts is it with ownership front office coaching or players Starts at the top. Starts with Jim Dolan. Mm-hmm. He's the one 
who they did as much as we all want to blame Phil Jackson, as we should. He's made a lot of bad moves. It starts at the top with the guy who hired him, and that's James Dolan. Uh, he he's an embarrassment. He's run the he's let. So, well, first of all, he let Phil Jackson run the franchise into the ground again. And, well, you saw the Michael K interview, right? I've heard parts of it, yes. So, yeah, when he went on Michael K's show and he said that Oakley may have a problem with alcohol mm. or something, and he just keeps digging himself deeper. Like, and he, he says, uh, you know, when Michael K asked him, what do you say to fans who want to know what's, uh, what's going on with the team? And he says, ask Phil. Dolan, what do you say to fans on why the team is losing? And Dolan says, ask Phil. And then he laughs. Like, God, dude, it's... And then the best was when uh, he had that binder that said preparation on it. It's like, dude... <laughs> you know, it's pretty interesting, though, Chip. About- that that you said ownership yeah. because I was trying to think what would Chip say is, is the blame, and I'm with you 100. percent I think obviously it has to start with ownership. He's the one that mm-hmm. picks the front office people to take control of the team, and I mean it's no secret how we feel about Phil Jackson and the job that he has done. Yeah. But I mean I, I always try to sit here and think. Which of my favorite team's owner is worse? Dolan, Woody Johnson, and, and it's hands down Dolan. I mean, this he's absolutely clueless. Uh, he, he allowed Isaiah Thomas to butcher the Knicks. Now is basically allowing Phil Jackson to do the same thing. So, you know, I saw a lot of people jump right on Phil Jackson saying it obviously starts with him. And, and like I said, I think Phil Jackson is right up there with Dolan for the blame. But, again, it, it's Dolan who decided to put Phil Jackson in charge in the first place. It's Dolan who's decided to pick up the option of Phil Jackson the next several years. So all that, to me, stems from James Dolan. And I don't see how... Anybody can else make the case how it's not really him. I know we talked a lot about Phil Jackson already and putting the blame on him. But I, I I loved when I saw this because it made me start to think, well, you know, it starts with the ownership. He's the one that makes the the, the decisions and has done a terrible job of, of leading this team. And there's just always something going on with him. I mean, you talked about the Charles Oakley incident. Uh, there was another incident with a fan started yelling at him about, you know, selling the team or whatever. And him just going off on the fan. I mean, this guy is clueless. Should yeah, not be an owner of a team. He banned the fan from the garden. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, how can just, you blame a fan for being frustrated? I mean, we're sitting here for what? The last 16, 17 years of watching this team suck. I mean, We've had one, like we mentioned before on the show, one exciting season in the last 15 years. That was back in 2013. And and really that year, we knew we weren't going to win a, a championship no matter how well the Knicks played. I think we had the second seed in the East, whatever it was. 
and we get knocked out in the second round. So for a fan, yeah, I mean, we had a we had a lane. We got out coach. Woodson got out coach by Frank oh, yeah. Vogel. I mean. And uh, just we got Mello got locked up. Oh yeah, Paul George just locked up, destroyed him, and, and mm-hmm. you know Hibbert with the block. I remember that. that was a big play in that series. And to me, when you're taking it out on the fans, blaming the fans, or, or, or banning the fans, we have every right to be frustrated. We're the ones sitting through this and, and wondering what are you doing to make this team better? Because it seems like every decision that you make hurts this team worse. There's already a massive hole, and instead of stopping digging in it, he, he continues to dig it deeper and deeper. And, Chip, mm-hmm. I, I want to see, who would you least blame for the disaster the New York Knicks are? Huh. That, uh, that's a really good question. It's a toss-up. I think, I think there's blame to issue to all uh, four parties that uh, front office, ownership, players, and coaches. But I think the least amount of blame since Fornacek has been there for only a season, I'm going to say the least amount of blame is going to go to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I think it's it's only fair we give so much blame to Phil. There's There's got to be a little blame put on Carmelo, too. And there's got to be a little blame put on the rest of the weak effort that that team put out this season. Although, I agree with you I again. think there needs to be some blame put on Hornacek. He, he seems to be getting off scot-free this year. I, I don't, I, I do feel sorry for him that he had it, his uh, authority completely stripped away from him at the all-star break. But yeah, yeah, yeah he definitely gets the least of the blame. I, yeah. I agree with you again with the coach. The only coach that deserves blame is, you know, the Rambis and we, we've been, through him, uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't understand why he's still there. We'll continue talking about that to the day that someone decides to let him go. But uh, I think, well, speaking of coaches, Matt, that they fired uh, Porzingis's uh, favorite assistant. They fired. Uh, you saw that they fired Joshua Longstaff. Oh yes, yes, yes. Not fired him, but they, yes, they let and him go. The media is making that you know about Porzingis, yeah, uh, making him more mad. Another. Slap on Persingas. It's just, if you're going to fire assistant coach, fire Rambis, okay? All right, what did that guy do to get fired? Is it his fault that we suck? I mean, did that that decision make the Knicks better? No. I I don't, things like that. And, and, you know, I brought this point up in the first episode that we talked about with with the coaching staff in general. The Knicks have been through so Mm -hmm. many head coaches. And a lot of these players are still there, still around. So it makes me look at the players. Sometimes it's with them. Sometimes Carmelo Anthony's stubbornness to not wanting to commit himself to an offensive system or even commit himself as a defensive player. Because to me, I think if he played defense a little bit harder than he does, I think it would become contagious. I think his teammates would respond to that, seeing him give that effort. And I mean, Melo shows flashes of, you know, blocking some shots, showing some athletic defensive plays, but it's just not there enough. And, and, and the rest of the players, they don't play defense. Derrick Rose was pitiful. It was like he was covering nobody. It was five on four when he was on the floor. 
Uh, and to me, I don't know how you can blame the coaches for that because sometimes you just got to go look at the effort of the players and, and question if it's there on a nightly basis because there's plenty of games that I don't think the effort was there from the Knicks players. But the coaching staff, clearly, what 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 can they do? So I'm definitely in that toss-up between coaching and players. I do think coaching staff will get a little bit of a break. Um, like you said, Hornacek's first year. And I would say the players are definitely more to blame than coaching. And I know some people would disagree with that. Um, some believe that Hornacek shouldn't be the head coach at all. And Do people uh, really think that, that Hornacek should already be fired? Well, I mean, when you don't win, that's just how it is in New York. You know, everybody wants them to be fired. But, again, it's year one. He's coming into a mess himself. He literally has no power. I, I don't blame Hornet. Yeah, I actually thing, like him. Man. I would like to see him get a fair chance. I think he can be a coach. I, You know what? I love the fact that, and we talked about this before, when, when he was giving Carmelo Anthony the dirtiest look for taking the stupidest shot that was just so unnecessary. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, I, and, and we hear reports that he – and Carmelo Anthony got into you know a bit of a screaming match or, or, or fighting or arguing about something. I would be furious too. I would be doing the same thing. I like that he, that he's not just going to sit there and put his tail between his legs because he's afraid of the star players. He's clearly not. I like that. He I, shouldn't I, be. He did that in in Phoenix. He put his tail between his legs and they could, just yeah. fired him. <laughs> and look how bad that got. It got so out of control. I mean, the, they completely lost the locker room. And I think part of that yeah. contributes to why so many people are against Hornacek because you see what happens in Phoenix. You know, the, that first year he was there, he had success. They almost made the playoffs. Then after that, it, it turned into players, um, especially with the Morris twins, after um, Marcus got traded and Markeith went on a, a crybaby oh, yeah, rant. And fights on the on the sideline during timeouts, and, and because he lost the locker room, I think that a hundred percent plays a role in why fans in New York already are calling for his head because they see that he failed to control the locker room in Phoenix. So now they're saying the same thing's going to happen in New York, and I can understand it to a point, but I still don't think all that falls on his shoulders. Yeah, that's. I think. He management threw him under the the same thing happened in Phoenix, Matt. Management threw him under the bus in Phoenix. Yep. If you remember, I they blamed him for because, like you said, they almost made the playoffs in uh, his first season, and there were huge expectations, and they totally flopped. And then they threw him under the bus, and they uh, they fired one of his assistants, who uh, two of his assistants actually, I think who were both like That's his right. guys that he brought in. That's right. And they, I think what I read was they kind of led him to believe that they were going to be bringing him back by like shuffling around his staff, and then they fired him anyway, which is kind of a low move, firing his assistants and then keeping him on and firing him in the end anyway. But, yeah, I he got thrown under the bus in Phoenix, and it looks like the same thing's happening to him here. I mean, Phil basically said... Like, your offense isn't good enough. We're going to run mine now. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. Look, I, I, I hear you. I like that. Look, 
I wish, I'm sure Mike D'Antoni wishes he would have stood up to Carmelo Anthony. Mm-hmm. If he had done that, maybe it wouldn't have ended so horribly. But, yeah, Jeff Hornacek, I'm sure, probably uh, spoke to Mike D'Antoni before he took the job. And he said, look, if you're a pushover with Melo, you're going to get you're going to get burned there. There's a reason, Matt, there's a reason Melo's on his fifth head coach since yeah. coming to New York. He's not exactly... He's not exactly easy to coach. I think everybody knows that. Definitely yeah. definitely a diva and makes it yeah. difficult for coaches to work with. Absolutely. So, Chip, me and you are in total agreement Sweet. with this that ownership is the biggest part to blame and the least blame, which, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still blame on the coaching staff. We're not saying that the coaching staff completely shouldn't get anything. We're not saying that, but – they are definitely the least to blame when it comes to just the disaster the Knicks had last year and even the last few years. Um, but we're going to wrap it up for that se- or this segment. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about free agency. That's something we haven't touched. And free agency is right around the corner. There's about a month away. So we're going to look at maybe some of the targets the New York Knicks could bring in to fix their, their troubles. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about potential free agents and Chip, we were kind of just talking about this a little bit, but you know, it seems like each year the New York Knicks have the cap space to to go ahead and, and get some free agents to better their team, but they always seem to swing and miss at these guys. Chip, Chip why why can't the Knicks land a, a top tier free agent? Well, recently they're hit. Well, going back to LeBron James. They haven't been able to land that guy because I think there's been this perception that if you don't succeed in New York, you're going to get killed in the media and these guys don't want that kind of pressure. So they would rather not come here and deal with the media pressure. I think that was that was what people said about how LeBron didn't want anything to do with New York. Well, you can and see that I right now. See that right now with Carmelo Anthony. That's a good point that you just brought yeah, up. Yeah, Carmelo. Carmelo was say whatever you want. Carmelo, what did embrace the challenge of coming to New York? I think a lot of guys. It's a and that's what it is. It's a challenge to come to New York, and a lot of guys don't want to take that on. And some guys won't even take. Like Kevin Durant this past summer didn't even take a meeting with the Knicks. Yeah, which we can blame him. Uh, and more recently, I think it's that the Knicks have just been bad for a very long time. Yep. And as people always say, you don't need to play in a big market anymore to make a lot of money and get a shoe deal. Mm-hmm. So being able to say playing at the Mecca of basketball and playing at Madison Square Garden, that's not a pitch anymore because you can play in Oklahoma City like Russell Westbrook and be on a commercial every three seconds. Yep. Or Mountain Dick or whatever, you know? You don't need to play in a big market to be one of the most popular players in the NBA anymore. So the Knicks and the uh, the Lakers, too, 
they lost their most powerful pitch. I think that's what hurt them the most, Matt. That's why they lost their free agent. They lost their main free agent pitch. That's what happened. And I think it's also like you mentioned a little bit that they've struggled so bad. Uh, why would a free yeah. agent want to come to New York and just be a part of the circus that surrounds the New York Knicks? I mean, you look right now, it just seems to be one thing after another between now Phil Jackson and, and Christoph Brzingis. Forget about the fact that it's uh, Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony. Now it's with Przingis. And you know, when you're sitting back and watching that, it makes New York – so easily just be like, yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And, and something else we kind of talked about is even with these players who are going to opt out or, or become free agents, they're going to get much more money to either stay with the team that they're in. So why would they come to New York? Or even if they decided to leave, yeah, they can go take less money, but with a, a team that is more prepared to start uh, playing for a championship. The New York Knicks mm-hmm. are not that. They don't offer that right now. You know, it's so hard just to pitch like, yeah, if you come, you're making us a contender. It, players want to come to a team that has a, a clear plan and has, you know, an opportunity to win right now. I think the New York Knicks don't even have a plan. Nothing's clear about what they're trying to do. Yes, they have an interesting piece to play with with uh, Przingis. That That's probably their biggest selling point. But other to me, that's not enough. You know, if I'm a potential free agent, you can One go play with other people. Yeah, exactly. They can go play, you know, like you just said, Oklahoma City. You can go play with Russell Westbrook as well. And, you know, this, it's not enough for the New York Knicks to attract anybody. And I think that's why they try so hard to obtain these free agents. But they're getting absolutely nowhere. I mean, like you said um, – Durant didn't even give a meeting to the Knicks. We saw the same thing a few years ago with Marcus Aldridge. He had the Knicks yeah. on his list, just a courtesy thing, and then just said, nah, never mind, and just never even bothered coming. And it's it's that easy for free. I mean, we've we seen Greg Monroe a few years ago. A lot of people thought he was going to sign with the Knicks. Well, he burned the Knicks to go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Who would ever thought they seen a day that a player would choose a city like Milwaukee over the city of New York? But it happened, like you said, you no longer have to be at a big market to be a star no more. And I think part of that is to do with things like social media. You're you're not so far away from these players anymore. You know exactly what they're doing um, that night. You you know they have that much exposure, so everybody is just so close to these players that it doesn't matter where you are but i think that that's a telling sign right there when somebody chooses a city like milwaukee over new york the knicks just do not have anything well, that's the thing, to Matt. offer go ahead yeah he wasn't choosing the city he said he wanted to mm-hmm. he chose the team you know he he signed uh the maximum offer he signed like three yeah three years Around fifty million, and he's got a player option for this year, so he's going to opt out. And he's still young; uh, he's he's not really a fit. He's going to be a free agent this year, so Phil Jackson may look into acquiring him again. But uh, I, he's got the same agent as uh, doesn't he have the same agent as Phil Jackson? I know he has David Falk, 
who was uh, Michael Jordan's agent. Isn't he Phil Jackson's agent, too? I thought that. I am not 100% sure about that. His agent is... Yeah, his agent is... That's why everybody thought that Greg Monroe was going to come to the Knicks, because his agent had a personal relationship with uh, Phil Jackson. It was very weird. Like you said, choosing uh, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks over the Knicks was so strange. But... He also, I'm reading this now, he also met with the Lakers, too. So, yeah, it was a, look, it's just, what it was, it's like we were just talking about. It just shows the change in the NBA. You don't need to play in a big market anymore to be a star. And how many times, uh, who was talked about more about basketball this year? The Bucks or the Knicks? I mean, the Knicks were talked about off the court all the time mm-hmm. in the media for being a joke. But in terms of talking about basketball this year, the Bucks were talked about more because of uh, the Greek freak. Yep. So if Monroe wanted to win, he made the right decision. Yeah, I mean. Well, with this being said, you know, it, it's obvious what the issue is with New York and why they're not getting free agent. So. When you see the list of as many players are going to be free agents next year, and I know some of these players are – they have the opt-out option, but let's just get something straight. Every single player is going to opt out of a deal. Unless it was something where they just got hurt and they're going to lose out on that money, if they do opt out, which is not really the case for any of these guys, they're going to opt out because there's more money now on the table. So, of course, they're going to mm-hmm. to get out of their deal. So there is tons of players – that will test the free agent waters this year. And Chip, what players do you think are the most realistic chances that the Knicks can actually obtain? As far as, because we we're always talking point guards with the Knicks, me and you were talking about Drew Holiday, of course. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to his brother, Justin, played for the team this year. Mm-hmm. So and he's also a free agent. The Knicks, uh, Justin, he'll also be a free agent. A free agent yep. Who uh, the Knicks are clearly hoping to bring him back. He was a very valuable member of the team. But Drew, bringing him back will be a lot easier than bringing in Drew because, oh yeah, like we were just talking about, uh, the Pelicans are going to be able. Uh, Drew's going to be looking for a max deal. He's twenty six. Uh, he turns twenty seven on June twelfth, but. Uh, he's he's in the middle of his prime. He's going to be looking for a max deal, and the Pelicans can offer him the most money. Mm-hmm. So the Knicks are going to have to be able to convince him to the pitch is going to be. Do you want to come to New York and play with your brother? And by the way, you're going to have to take less money. So I don't know. Like we were just talking about, is new? Are you really going to be willing to go play for less money? Is that a place where you can do that? Drew Holiday is a good player, but I mean, he averaged 15.4 points again this year, 7.3 assists. And, but you know, New Orleans also just got Boogie Cousins. Mm -hmm. They added him with Anthony Davis. If you're Drew Holiday, don't you probably want to see where that goes? You've been with the team for the last four seasons, and they finally added another piece with you and Anthony Davis. I, I wouldn't want to abandon that right away unless eh. – Yeah, that's a great I, point. That is – I mean, I, I see yeah. a source right now, just we're talking about Drew Holiday, uh, says the Pelicans are unhappy with Drew Holiday. But 
Then when you ask Coach Alvin Gentry, he says the number one priority this season is to re-sign Drew Holiday. Um, Other teams that are interested in him would be the, I see the Dallas Mavericks are very interested in bringing him in. Um, And, you know, I'm with you. I think the Knicks don't have really anything to offer him. I think it could help if they're able to bring back Justin because those two have talked about playing together and they would really love to. Yeah. But money talks when you have to take less money. Are you really going to take less money just to play with your brother? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. You can um, play with your pickup ball with your brother in the off season. Exactly. <laughs> and, and work out with him and all that stuff. And I mean, I agree. Yeah. I think Drew Holiday would be, if the Knicks were to somehow get him, I think that would be a huge upgrade for him. It could probably even change the way they approach the draft of having to take a point guard um, because you said he's 26 years old. He's going to be entering the prime of his career. And Drew Holiday's a player I would absolutely love for the New York Knicks to bring in. I think he, he, he would fit really well. Um, but again, it's the sources or, or the – I guess what what the Knicks can offer him is there's not much, um, but I know that there's some people who really feel like they have a, a chance to get Drew Holiday. Would love Drew Holiday to be in a Nick uniform and believe that Justin Holiday is that bridge to kind of get him. I I think it could help, but again, it, to me, it's not enough. It's not. And uh, somebody else, Chip, that I'm going to throw at you. Um, I wrote an article for Elite Sports a few months ago actually talking about some of the top free agents the New York Knicks should get to fit the triangle offense. And my priority guy I put in that article, it has me rethinking it now, but I'm curious to kind of see what you have to say. Um, The main guy that I put in that article was Blake Griffin. This is another guy that, again, financially – don't think it's going to work, um, but we'll talk, I guess, just just let's say he was interested in coming to the New York Knicks for whatever reason. Uh, Chip, would you be on board for Blake Griffin putting on a Knicks uniform? Is Carmelo still on the team? <laughs> I, I hope not, but I think he will be, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're stuck um, with him. But what the Clippers can the Clippers can give him thirty million dollars a year, I think, right? So we, yeah. he'd have to take ugh. That that's why that's yeah, why that's I said what, let's not talk that, about the money. What? Let's let's talk about let's just say for whatever reason he says, Wow, I want to become a New York Nick. Would you even take him? Because like I said, for the triangle offense He's a perfect fit. I mean, he does everything the Knicks would need him to do. He could shoot He's the basketball. Excellent passer. Excellent passer. I mean, He's this an guy. Excellent passer. He just had five assists a game this year. He's a phenomenal passer. Yeah. Um, a guy that can even they handle don't the let ball. Him do enough with the Chris Paul dominates the ball too yeah. much and doesn't let Blake do enough. Oh yeah. I mean, you could just but, see it. Um, you could just really quick. You could just see it when he gets the ball out in transition. Guy that's six foot ten. He can handle the basketball and. and it's like a, yeah. a freight train himself going down the floor with his athletic ability and scoring That's the incredible. basketball. Um, 
But let me ask you this. The injury prone every year. The guy seems that he when yeah. it matters the most too, he's going down with some kind of injury. So that's why I'm rethinking it. He hasn't played Yeah. He hasn't played seventy games in uh you know, the last three seasons he's played sixty seven, thirty five, and sixty one. So that is concerning. Definitely. Um and he just got hurt in the playoffs and that ended the season. So the injuries is a problem, especially when you already have Noah under contract long-term, his injury history. But I don't know, pairing him with Porzingis, that's pretty tempting, man. That would sound, I mean, like, yes, you're getting an NBA all-star. And, and, you know, I heard a lot of people when I posted that article onto fan pages and stuff like that, some people are like, well, I'm not even reading it because you have Blake Griffin as your featured image to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people just saw who it was and went, yeah, no, I'll pass. Um, but I, I, th- like I said, I, I rethink it because he is injury prone. But when you talk about the fit of the triangle, I think out of all these free agents, he is a perfect fit for the system. I think would really excel in it as well. Um, again, though, Blake Griffin is – we're not going to get him. We have no chance of getting him. Uh, you know, you look at some of these big names. Now, like, yeah. Like Curry, Durant, Hayward, Blake Griffin. If you're a Nick fan that's holding on to that hope that we are going to land them, let me go ahead and crush your dreams right now. Not going to happen. It's not. Well, uh-huh. I mean, we need to start looking second tier free agents. That's that's where we're at. Yeah, like, with Court, like they did with Courtney Lee. Mm-hmm. That was a good signing. Smart. Yeah, that's and a good smart signing. Perhaps maybe a guy like uh, Dion Waiters. Dion. I think that's going to be an interesting one. That I thought he actually really. What kind of money will he get? What well, kind of I, money will Dion get after the year? I think has? all these players are getting more money than they actually worth now. We, we, we kind of touched on that in a previous uh, podcast, but with the new CBA and the TV deal and all that stuff, these players get a lot of money. But I don't think you necessarily have to pay or, or pay out of the butt for a guy like Dion Waiters. I mean, he was very injury prone this year. Been kind of injury prone his career. He did look really good sure. when he was on the floor, though. Really good. He was, was one of the most dangerous say, players for the Heat. He only played 46 games, but when he played, he played really well. And he's, and he's a versatile player. Yeah, he had his best season. Yeah, he had, I think, in my opinion, his best season. Oh, yeah. It was, he had his, yeah, he, his second year in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma, uh, his second year in this league was in Cleveland. You always forget he did start out in Cleveland. Yeah. Because his time in uh, Oklahoma was so memorable. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. But it, he started out in Cleveland, and he, uh, but I think his time, his short time in Miami was more impressive. I'm not sure if they'll try and bring him back, though. I think Pat Riley might have gotten out of him. What he could have. I think the Knicks could have a shot at him, but they may have to pony up. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's probably the case for the Knicks in general. Any of these these second tier players, in order to get them, you're going to have to overspend. Another guy that a lot of people seem to be making a fit for is JJ Redick. He's going to get. I don't like that one. I don't like it either. I really. I rather have Courtney Lee than JJ Redick. Um, that's just me. I think. Overall, yes, J.J. Redick is an outstanding three-point shooter. and, and But I think in order for J.J. to be effective, 
You need somebody kind of like a LeBron James on your team that just attracts so much attention, you leave J.J. Redick wide open. You know, he can shoot a little bit off his dribble, but where you're getting the most out of J.J. Redick is with somebody that is attracting attention and he's spotted up at that three-point line. And, and he's really not that – to me, I don't think he's that great of a defender. I'm reading an article right now that has him listed as a top – 10 free agent this year and they say that he's an underrated defender i don't see how well, you I can think say that's that just because people a lot of people say he's not a good defender i think he's an average defender but, but the clippers are so bad defensively as a team they're, they're terrible yeah so that's that's not really i know i, mean, I know there's more but, to it than just one player did you watch any of that jazz series I actually did not because I was so mad that Blake Griffin went down and, and um, Gobert went down that I was kind of like, I don't want to watch this. This is not fun no more. So I watched zero of that series after game one, actually. And then game yeah. by game two, Blake Griffin goes down. So, yeah. They they played such amazing defense on uh, J.J. He freaking disappeared, man. Yeah. I mean, he... He dis- he had one good game. He had one good game where he scored twenty six points, but for the series he shot thirty eight percent, and he averaged nine points a game. I mean, and he started in all seven games, and he shot thirty four percent from three point range. So when he's shooting like that from three point, he's not valuable. <laughs> I'll to put it nicely. <laughs> and uh, I'll read this tweet. Let me read this tweet here. You were talking about Courtney Lee. You said you'd rather have Courtney Lee. Yeah. Tommy, uh, at Tommy Beer, who writes for Basketball Insiders, tweeted this about Courtney Lee and J.J. Redick. He said, uh, Nick's current starting shooting guard, Courtney Lee, is younger than Redick and a much better defender and had higher field goal percentage and averaged more rebounds, assists, and steals this season. So there you go. Ex- exactly. To your point about court, have, rather having Courtney Lee. I was so go. impressed with Courtney Lee this year. <laughs> I really was. I, I really was impressed with Courtney Lee. I was not expecting him to play as well as he, he did. I mean, I didn't think – I thought a guy that was going to score, you know, six, seven points a game, and he, he did more than that. Really stepped up when, you know, Brzingis and Carmelo Anthony were not a factor because of injuries or just sitting out because the season was down in the dumps, and he really elevated his play there. So I think Courtney Lee, it was a very good shooting guard. I don't want it. I wouldn't even think about JJ Redick. I really don't. I think you're going to overpay for a guy that's not really going to be a great fit in New York. I was just going to say that. Yeah, just going to say that. And you got Lee on a four. Lee's got one of the best contracts in in the league. Four years, four years, forty eight. I yeah. think. I mean, come on, you're going to end up paying JJ fifteen million or something like that for exactly. a year. That's exactly. And isn't he, yeah, and he's older. Yeah, no. Yeah. JJ Redick would be a mistake. JJ Redick would be a mistake. To kind of wrap this up, though, we, we talked and about. And I like JJ. And I like JJ. I like JJ too. I, I think you know, like I said, his first few years in the league, I didn't think he was going to last. Uh, you know, he's a terrific college player, and I thought he would become one of those guys that was a great college player and just suck at the NBA level. And early on with Orlando, it kind of looked like that. But then he kind of found himself, and, and he has really had a, a nice career for himself. He's by no means a, a bad player. It's just when you talk about a fit for the Knicks, I don't think he's a fit. I don't 
I just think the Knicks are better off just letting them go. He could be a weapon for somebody else, but if you bring him in, you're not going to get the same production maybe as he can have with another team. But, Chip, I kind of want to – He's a fit on a contender. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, if they – I think J.J. Redick, where you can get really the most out of him, and, I mean, again, I don't think the money would work out with Cleveland. I mean, if he could play with LeBron James, my goodness. Oh. Uh, can you imagine that? Yeah. Kyrie, Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, J.J. Redick. Oh, there'd be some three-point records broken with that team. God. Yeah, well, be... you know who could use them is Oklahoma City. That's what I – I was about to write the article. Uh, Russell Westbrook could use J.J. Redick. That's a good point, too, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. That's Russell a, could use them. That's a, that, that could be actually a really good fit be just because, again – Russell yeah. Westbrook attracts so much attention. He doesn't have shooters around him. That was mm-hmm. a problem with OKC. You get him a guy like that, you saw the shots they were getting. They just couldn't hit him. J.J. Redick will hit him. So, yeah, yeah that, that would be a, a good place for him. But, again, the point that we're making is it's just not a good fit for New York. So, really quick, yeah. what I wanted to wrap this up with, though, Chip, is we talked about the point guard. Um, being a, a primary option for the Knicks, either through the draft or through free agency. I think, though, post-play. I think the Knicks need to find more. I, I know Willie Hearn Gomez has done a nice job, but I don't think he's exactly there yet. I think the Knicks need to find a true inside score because Brzingis is not there yet. We talked about that, that he's a, he's a straight jump shooter right now. He doesn't really have a game... Uh, with it back to the basket quite yet. Um, is there somebody in this free agent market that, that you think could be a good fit for the Knicks and provide that inside scoring? Um, I know you told me before Paul Millsap um, opted out of his contract with the Hawks today. Um, there's a guy like Serge Ibaka, uh, even, even a veteran guy like uh, Zach Randolph, a former Nick. Think any of those guys can come in? I was in? just going to say Zebo, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say Zach Randolph, when, uh, when you're talking about scoring the post. I mean, uh, Paul Millsap, of course, would be the dream, but like when we were talking about Millsap, I said the Hawks can offer him $35 million. It'd be another case of trying to talk guys taking significantly less money. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to have Paul Millsap. Serge Ibaka would be great. Um, Serge Ibaka, not as good a post scorer. That's true. Uh, he's turned into, you were talking about Porzingis is a jump shooter. Ibaka's really turned into more of a jump shooter lately. Took That's a true. lot of threes in that Cleveland series. Um, and you're also talking about, uh, you're talking about Zebo. I meant they should target Zebo, I think. I know he's getting older, but a guy who is a free agent now who I've liked and have liked for a long time is uh, Taj Gibson. Tosh Gibson, uh, he yeah. Turns thirty-two, turns thirty-two in June, and I know Oklahoma City is going to want to bring him back. So the Knicks are probably going to have to overpay to get him. But if you want, he's a guy who works really hard. Uh, the Knicks need help on the glass. He's kind of like a Tristan Thomas. That's who he yeah, kind of reminds yeah, me of. You know, yeah. an older player, obviously, like that, but a guy that gets in yeah. on the glass like that. Um, that, that's mm-hmm. a good point. But it's a good thing you mentioned uh, Zach Randolph because in that article I talked about the eight targets, uh, Randolph was one of the guys I put in there. And, yes, you know he's going to be 36 years old. But even this year alone, he, he averaged 14 points and nine rebounds in 20-something minutes. And that's all the Knicks kind of need 
a player to do that. I don't think he's going to cost an arm and a leg to get. And I mentioned in that article about his post moves, how great would that be to have somebody like Zach Randolph showing Christoph Porzingis and even Heron Gomez some post moves. And Heron Gomez has pretty good post moves himself already, but to have a guy like that. Yeah, he does. Oh, man, that would be a great, great pick. I hope the New York Knicks get him. I really do. I think that would be, you know, again, a guy that's not really going to dominate. He's not longer a, you know, a 20 and 10 type guy. But, and you're going to have some games where, you know, his age shows and he does struggle a little bit. But the point is that he can be just such a great tutor for our young post players and really show them how to get it done with their back to their basket. I think that's a great fit. Really yeah, and love he, that. You know, he's, like you said, he's not the dominant player he used to be, but he's, he's still a pretty solid guy. And I think Memphis is definitely going to want to bring him back. Mm-hmm. But he's, what is he, he shot 45% from the field. Memphis might be willing to move on from them too. They might want to go a little younger. The whole uh, grit and grind thing or whatever they do, it's not exactly yielding a championship. Maybe the Knicks could benefit from that. But Randolph, like Randolph, I can't think of a better mentor in terms of working down low and getting tougher. I mean, God, he's one of the toughest guys in the league. You want to, I mean, Joe King Noah was supposed to help out. Christoph Porzingis with that, and I think that's gone out the window. So I think Zach Randolph, I agree with you that Zach Randolph should definitely be a target in free agency. He should be a guy to go after. Uh, and Chip, really, even if you can you finish it up ahead. really quick, I just see another name I'll throw at you. I was you, just going to say, but, yeah, okay. Uh, just uh, even if he's not like he, like you say, he averaged 14 points this year, even if he averages like 10 points a game. Just the knowledge that KP and Billy can gain from him would be worth bringing him on. So I think it's definitely look into bringing in Randolph. Definitely. Absolutely. But another name, we kind of mentioned him already, but he is a free agent, Greg Monroe. He burned the Knicks once. He went to Milwaukee, really kind of didn't fit in with them, found himself on the bench a lot, didn't play big minutes. Yeah. Is he somebody – the New York Knicks can try to go after again. I don't see how he can get huge money now. I think again we're gonna he's gonna get a nice penny because of everything. But is he possibly a nice cheap option for the Knicks to get to play in the post? I don't want him. You don't want him. <laughs> I know that sounds cold, but he's not a good defensive player, and the Knicks already have Billy Hernan Gomez as someone who struggles on defense. You know, that's why he, like you said, he fell out of the rotation in Milwaukee because he couldn't defend. Yeah. And, you know, the Knicks already have enough trouble defending. Uh, they can't, if he signs with the Knicks, he's going to want to be a starter, which means Billy Hernan Gomez comes off the bench behind him and you got a bad backup center backing up a bad starting center. I don't think it's a good fit because then you got KP playing next to two bad defensive centers. You already know how I feel about KP and Hernan Gomez. I don't think that's a good fit long term. So I think they do need to find someone to pair with KP in the starting lineup that isn't Hernan Gomez. But, yeah, I don't think it's Monroe, though. He's not a good defender, and he's also not – 
you know, he probably is a good triangle fit. He's not a terrible passer or anything, but yeah, in terms of, as we always say, the, uh, the problem is the defense. It's not the offense. So they need a defensive big. They don't need a guy who is going to come in and hurt them more on defense. And that's what Monroe would do, I believe. So, yeah, I'd pass on Monroe. That's Although a, I don't think Phil Jackson will. Because, <laughs> well, that's a good point. You know, who, who knows why he does the things he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Phil Jackson does whatever he wants. Kills us even worse. But I think that's going to wrap it up for our episode three of the Nick State of Mind podcast. Again, just want to thank the listeners. And a reminder, again, we will have a Nick State of Mind podcast tonight for the Twitter. Matt. And if there's anybody that we missed and you want to come tell us you know, who you think would be a great fit, a realistic fit for the New York Knicks, then we would absolutely love to hear for you uh, from you. And just, again, we thank all our listeners, and, and we hope you enjoy.